Welcome to Our Sick Society, a podcast series where researchers from King's College London and people with lived experience explore together how social factors contribute to mental health problems. I'm Lavinia. I'm Charlotte. I'm Sally. And I'm Gemma. And we'll all be bringing you episodes. But we'll also have some guest presenters inviting people who tell us their stories to investigate the issues that they're interested in as well as the ones that we think are important. We want to make you think and question society's role in mental health. What are the systems and the structures which mean some people are more likely to be mentally unwell than others? And crucially, what steps should society take from national government policies to local grassroots community organising? How can we cure our sick society? Hello, I'm Sally Marlowe and welcome to this episode of our podcast, where my guests will be helping me explore the relationship between music and mental health. And I guess instinctively most of us know that music is good for mental health, and that's from our own experience. But increasingly, there is research which confirms that. At the Centre for Society and Mental Health, I work with a number of different partners, and that includes musicians who have an interest in mental health. The people I work with make very different music but they have very similar philosophies in a lot of ways. And so today I want to introduce you to an orchestra and to a South East London band, which is really difficult to pigeonhole, so I'll let them tell you about themselves. But first, a samba band based in the North East of England. I'm um, Helen Ward. I'm one of the directors of Jatra Marts. We're based in County Durham in a small market town at the foot of the Durham Dales. Jack Drum's been going for 34 years. We work with all ages, all abilities, but with a particular focus on children and young people, supporting young people's mental health and emotional resilience using creative arts. So I'm Sam, I'm 21 years old and I'm currently studying at Edinburgh Napier University. I've been a part of Jack Drum basically a lot of my life since Helen is my mum. I started really getting involved with Jack Drum when I was maybe 10, maybe even younger. There's a video of me playing drums when I'm like a toddler. But um, I started playing in the samba band with my uncle Paddy, who just popped me on the snare drum when I was 10 years old. And then I've been in the samba band ever since then, and I still continue to be in the samba band. Hello, my name is Brendan. I am a musician predominantly. I also do the drama and stuff at Jack Drum as well. I have been at Jack Drum for... I think I joined the drama group when I was like nine, I think I was. I think I was nine. Jack Drum Arts may be a local community organisation, but they have global ambition. Helen, Sam and Brendan have all travelled to Brazil to learn more about Brazilian music. I went for five months and I travelled around, mostly with a guy called Pigato, who was my guide, and he helped translate because um, I was really bad with Portuguese. And I, could, I can kind of understand Portuguese now, I cannot speak it. But it was just an intensely life-changing experience because I just basically lived and breathed with the people there, so I wasn't staying in fancy hotels. I was staying with the members of the band sometimes, just in their houses, and I would go to the favelas, and you learned why these people 
do this music. For a lot of them it's community because a lot of the music comes from the favelas. So like this music is the reason these favelas are alive and working. It's where they get a lot of their money from. The Soothsayers are based in Brixton, and they work with musicians all over the world. <laughs> Soothsayers is myself, I'm Idris Rahman, and Robin Hopcraft. That's me, hello. Hello. <laughs> and then a whole collection of musicians and collaborators in London and around the world. It's influenced by African music. Groove-based music, really, African music and reggae music particularly, and jazz. There's a lot of elements to it, really. But it's music you can dance to, and it's feel-good music, I guess. You could put it in that kind of category. We want, basically, people to enjoy themselves while they're listening to our music, you know? It's uplifting music, lyrically. It's got a message, and I say it's got a, a spirit of freedom in it, which all those stars of music that influence um, Idris mentioned a minute ago have got that common I think really in a lot of different ways and I also work with an orchestra which finds some unusual ways to connect So I'm Fiona Lambert and I'm Director of Participation for City of London Symphonia. City of London Symphonia is a chamber orchestra that's going to be 50 this year. It was originally set up by Richard Hickox, who's sadly no longer with us, but it's a, a chamber orchestra of 40 freelance musicians who are all members of the orchestra who, who come together. And the thing that makes City of London Symphonia distinctive is it, it, as an orchestra, it wants to find different ways of connecting with people, um, not only through its performances, where we like to perform in lots of different environments. So that could be in a nightclub or it could be a cathedral. But in the cathedral, we might want to sort of explore it differently by taking the seats out and allowing the audience to roam around and experience the music in their own way. So we like to connect with audiences in that way, but also we like to connect with people through our music in different participatory environments and different communities. Um, so that could be in a care home or a community centre or a hospital school, just lots of different environments. And mostly in the sorts of environments you wouldn't expect to see classical music. It used to be quite a traditional model of a string quartet would go into one of those environments and play to people so it was very much taking a concert that was played to them but now we've sort of shifted that way of working and now we make music with people. That sense of people making connections through music is extremely powerful and it's almost certainly a part of why music can be so good for people's mental health. I think as individuals, we've kind of like, we're musicians probably because we felt a need to have that element of freedom and of expression in our lives. And I think we're quite aware of how, you know, other people don't necessarily have it if they're not given the opportunity to take part in that, if they're not pursuing music as a career or a full-time thing. So that I suppose from my point of view, personally, I just think 
I can't really imagine what it would be like not to have that kind of uh, outlet. Do you know what I mean? So people that don't have that in terms of a mental health thing, I think if we can kind of like offer that to people in some way and share that with people, it's always, I mean, it happens at gigs. You can see it happening at gigs, but obviously in more sort of workshop-based scenarios as well, it's just like, it's powerful. And you can, yeah, it changes people and, and just makes them feel different and a lot of the time better. For me, music is a healing thing. The essence of why I think we do music is coming from that place of we need it, like Rob says, um, we need to do it. And it is essentially we're healing ourselves by doing it and we still need to do that. And from a, a mental health perspective, it helps us deal with the reality of the world as it is today. And being able to express that in music and in lyrics as well and then to be able to share that with people audiences but especially young people who are learning about life and music and their relationship with the world and how they fit in to this society it's just a beautiful thing to be able to share it gives me an outlet to sort of express myself and also to have fun and enjoy myself and sort of express feelings emotions anything i need to sort of get out um on a thursday evening it's a, it brings me joy doing it because i've been doing it that long and, and i think it does that for quite a few other people in the band as well i interview quite a few people who have grown up in favelas and every time i asked what has this music done for you they've always said it saved me every time and without fail i think like one guy said if he wasn't playing music and he hadn't been saved by the person who runs the band um he would be doing crime, killing people, and drugs. Well, I'm going to refer to what Sam said with quite a lot of the people over to Brazil. It's saved me many times because I've suffered with mental health quite a lot over the years, quite bad mental health problems. But one constant thing that's always been there is the music that I play, the music that I listen to, uh, my bass guitar, my guitar, everything that I do has always been there. So music to me is... It's not just something I play or something I listen to. It's part of me at this point. When I was in Brazil, it was the year since my dad had passed away. So I was in Brazil, not really with anyone who could speak my language well. And it was like the only way I could really vent those emotions was by playing drums. There's also something about performing which seems to be connected to mental health. I got ran off the road on my motorbike and ended up in hospital. So I had a massive confidence knock and then going into lockdown, having my birthday in lockdown wasn't the greatest, but then being able to go out and do these gigs and being able to lead them and take charge and have that sort of powerful moment where I'm standing there, I'm counting in breaks, I'm chatting to the audience, getting all the energy up. It is quite a massive confidence boost. Especially when you see a policeman turn up and start dancing. That was, that was supposed to be one of the most surreal things. When we actually have played, we've we done two gigs and we've done a bit of live recording. That's when you realise how much you've been missing it. You know, it's just, it's playing with other musicians. It's just like, you know, we've been doing it for years and having that taken away from, from me personally, I just really do find it quite hard to deal with. You know, it's just, it's not necessarily being conscious that oh, I miss playing. It's just that feeling. And you just, I mean, I'm sure everybody feels like that in different ways who do different types of things, artistic things that they can't do. Or even people going to work and stuff, just being with other people. It's just really difficult. And I think now with this second lockdown, or the, th how many, is it, it's not even the second lockdown, is it? It's like the. Yeah, we're recording this on the first day of the third lockdown, aren't we? Beginning of January. Yeah. 
the third lockdown it's just been like this the start of this year for me has just been like oh god i'm really finding it hard to motivate myself it's coming back it's coming back (laughs) i'm sure it is (laughs) we've been talking about the experiences and feelings musicians have when they make music and perform not everyone plays a musical instrument though but even if you're not a musician you can take part in music making and everyone can listen even if the music's really unfamiliar We have a clarinetist called Wafi, who is just amazing. And we were in a particular setting where she played a really difficult piece by a composer called Stravinsky. And it's not easy on the ear. I mean, if you're used to kind of quite melodic music, it's kind of quite jarring. But she talked about it in a way where she said, I play this to my chickens. (laughs) So she kind of talked about it in that way. And then it was so easy for everybody to just get in it and follow it because automatic you just connected with her as a individual with her chickens yeah so I think that's the way in (laughs) here we have angry chicken over the course of last year predominantly in the summer and the latter end of the year we did some doorstep gigs for uh, the community around us quite a lot of people it's sort of just losing that thing to hold on to they're losing that thing that sort of keeps them going and drives them forward so going out and giving them that sort of samba performance um, and seeing them all sort of dancing and jumping about and having fun it's not only helped us because we were able to get out and play the music that we love but it helped the people who were watching because yeah it gave them that sort of thing of like it's not all doom and gloom and there's a really lovely because i've looked at some videos of you doing the doorstep concerts and there's a really lovely little clip of um a young lad behind glass so i'm guessing that he couldn't come outside you know maybe shielding or something and he's really kind of moving and really big 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 smile on his face and you know just that that little snapshot just gives you the sense of someone stuck behind this glass but yet who could be a part of what was going on outside because it was going on on his own driveway it it, i found it really moving and really powerful that was the first doorstep gig that we did very first one that we did. I cried at that gig um, because it was really emotional to actually get out and do it. And the little boy, um, James, he is a member of the band, but obviously he'd been shielding since March. I still think to this day, apart from going to school part-time a couple of days in the autumn, a couple of days a week, he is still shielding. So yeah, it's for him, it's been an absolute lifesaver. It really has. The second record we made this year is quite happy sounding music, most of it. And I was saying to it, just, well, it sounds far too happy. People aren't going to be wanting to listen to this. And obviously, I mean, that's not the case, is it? Because it just made the point that people need it. And he's right, you know. It doesn't necessarily reflect the kind of slightly miserable times we're living in. But, you know, people need to get away from that. 
It's like if you listen to music from like the Second World War, everybody's dancing, you know, to swing and stuff like that. It's the same sort of thing, isn't it? It's like people just need a break. We all need to be like taken away somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that you said about your music, which is also interesting, I think, is that the way that music makes you move. And, you know, we're starting to understand, you know, in the field of mental health research, we're starting to understand much more about how strongly the mental and the physical are interlinked. But your live performances, and I've been to a few of them, everybody is moving. And that strikes me as being a really integral part of what you do mm. you know it, yeah. it, it that people are, are sort of they want to move there's something in your music that makes people uh, use their bodies in a different way which i think is really interesting too that's good that you say that because that is definitely a big part of what we do it's important it just takes a good lead as well <laughs> people watch you dress and they have to move his moves, his moves are inspiring they're inspiring to me <laughs> it's funny because the last two gigs we've had people haven't been allowed to move more than well they haven't been allowed to move from the waist down oh right it's yeah. been really weird so there's been, it's been some weird I've had to have the last gig I had to sort of um, try and support the venue because the venue were worried about people getting up and people were standing up and trying to dance and then the security were running in like saying you've got to sit down because of social distancing. Yeah, because yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the kind of rule was you stay sitting down and you don't move. You could move your hands and stuff, but um, it was kind of difficult because I completely empathise with the, the audience. And obviously for us, if people are moving, it's much more enjoyable to play because you've, you, know, you get that kind of energy back and it feels much more, makes a lot more sense yeah. when you're playing yeah. the music because why would people keep still? I asked all the musicians what they think it is about music that can tap so powerfully into our mental state. And there was lots of agreement amongst them that it's really hard to put your finger on why music is important and also to describe why and how it makes people feel so happy or express sadness. I'd say once you start like living the music that you love, then it actually really frees you from a lot of restraints. That's my main message, I think. I think that's the best way I could put that. I can't really describe it in words. It's kind of indescribable. And why do you think it's important to do this type of work, Fiona? Oh, that's a really good question. It's one of those things where I sort of instinctively go, because it is. (laughs) 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 Of course it is, but... Yeah, you have to try and articulate it, don't you? Um, Why is it important? I just feel it's the light that you're bringing to to life, isn't it? It, It's the lightness and it's finding ways to connect with people and that I think creativity allows that and culture and music and art and, yeah, I mean, I think all of those things bring the lightness to... But also it's a way of expressing the darkness as well. I mean, we, we found some most amazing work in hospices where you know death is so present and it's there all the time but we've made the most amazing stunning work with those people expressing those emotions and those feelings and I think that's why it's important I think it's a way of shaping emotions and communities and these shared experiences that bring people together and bring people out of isolation and bring moments that people can remember 
And you did funerals as well? Two funerals. Wow. So we did the Mauka 2 performances, that's the only time we did them. So our Mauka 2 band has only had two gigs this year. Well, last, last year. year. Last year in 2020, which were two funerals. Gosh. And they were both just, there's no words. That was such a beautiful thing to do, really, really beautiful. Again, a privilege to, to be able to play for um, this family's funeral of their father and husband. And they were so, so grateful. And they put so much trust in us to do it. Um, but, you know, we made a real point, didn't we, of finding out, um, could you tell us more about your father? So they sent us loads of information and they sent us photographs. And then we led the funeral cortege through the town of Horden. And we had no idea how popular this man was. And when we came around the corner to the church, there were probably about 300 people. Um, and that's a big crowd, um, you know, for a pandemic crisis who were all standing on this big hill where the grass was. But it was a huge privilege to be able to do that. And I think it was very cathartic. And um, for me, I lost my mum in June. Um, so Sam lost his grandma. You know, we've lost um, so, you know, other people um, in the last couple of years. And to be able to do that, I think, was helpful for us as individuals and a very special thing for us to do with the young people from the band. It gives you a really strong bond. These musicians may make very different types of music in different ways, but again, they all agree that for them, music is a great leveller. Their music is for everyone. And they're all champions for almost a kind of democratisation of music. When we started that project, the Youth Sayers Project, off, we basically just tried to find anybody that was interested in taking part. We did that by going around to different schools and um, like Saturday morning music centres, talking to different music institutions that are already working with young people just to try and source a group of young musicians who'd be sort of, you know, stimulated by the kind of opportunity we were offering. You know, doing that, I suppose, it's a really good question because where do you, how do you connect with young musicians? It's, you know, to sort of convince young people to actually make the effort to come and work with you. It's not that easy, but we seem to be really successful in the kind of first movement of doing that. It worked really well. We got a really good group of young people together that could play together quite proficiently after quite a short amount of time. It's even more special in a community band, I'd say, because there are people of all ages but everybody's on the same level. Nobody's up above somebody. Everybody treats each other equally and with respect. And that's kind of quite unique in a lot of places that everybody of all ages, all backgrounds, working class, middle class, everybody's just on the same level and is just having a nice time. And that's really nice. Because there's something about classical music, isn't there? And, you know, we could debate whether this is, you know, rightly or wrongly. There's a, there's a perception that classical music is elitist that you've got to be of a certain you know you've got to have had a certain level of education to not just to play it but to listen to it the posh people (laughs) (laughs) so is it for posh people is it for posh people well I think that's my job though is to make sure it's not 
for posh people. I mean, that's that's my vocation in life is to make what we do accessible to everybody. And I think it's going back to what I was saying about finding ways in for everybody that's meaningful and means something. And then very quickly you realise it's not for a posh person. It's just how it's been wrapped up. I think the way that we're trying to work now is that anyone can be a musician. Everyone's a musician. And that when we do go into these environments, I mean, our musicians are very, very skilled and are the best at what they do, but it becomes very democratic. I guess that experience of sort of making music together. All the contributors to this podcast see working with young people as a crucial part of their work. I think young people, you know, they get a bad rap, really, don't they? They all get like lumped in together. And what one of the positive things, you know, in terms of community cohesion and developing like pride actually is this group of young people um, go out as the youth band. Obviously, we have the, the bigger community band with all the age groups in it, but they go out as this youth band and it's a really kind of positive thing, positive role models. Youth stairs is quite a wide spectrum of uh, different abilities, you know, and that's a beautiful thing to see because you can you can get a really inexperienced musician working with young people that are much more proficient on their instruments and stuff, and it still works really well. You know, it's nice for the less experienced musician, and it's also really good for the older musicians or the more experienced musicians who can kind of feel that they've contributed something to another person of their age, you know. So we had the idea of getting them to record on this track that we had uh, rehearsed a little bit before lockdown. And um, we got them to record on their mobile phones to an existing rhythm track that we, we made. It was not an idea that we necessarily were going to do anything with it, but it's just a little project to sort of do. But it ended up sounding so beautiful and moving that we went all the way with it and we asked them to do videos of themselves and then that turned out to be beautiful as well. is a project that runs in hospital schools at Bethlehem and Wardsley Hospital but now has, has gone into Lavender Walk at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital as well but um, the last three years we've been based just at Bethlehem and Wardsley the psychiatric hospital schools so we've spent three years learning a lot as we've been developing this project we work with young people who tend to be resident there so they'll, they'll have been there for weeks or months as patients but also some day patients as well and we go in each term and we create a creative project with them Ooh. 
Thinking about the work that we do in our mental health settings, the thing that we do there is we're not changing a diagnosis, but what we're doing is working with a person and we're giving them a moment and we're creating hopefully a joyful moment and a memory that they can take away with them at a time that could potentially be very dark and unpleasant. Collaborating with musicians like Fiona, Idris, Robin, Helen, Sam and Brendan is one of the highlights of my working life. And I hope you've enjoyed hearing from them. Our podcast producer, Buddy Peace, is also a musician and a music producer. And he composed a soundtrack we use in other episodes of our Sick Society. For this episode, he's included music from our contributors, Jack Drum Arts, The Soothsayers and City of London Symphonia. And it seems fitting that we should end this episode with more from them and let their music speak for itself.
the time, now is the time for you Friendship to end Be it your sister Be it your brother Be it your cousin or your uncle or your lover If you have a racist friend Now is the time, now is the time listening to our sick society the presenter was sally marlowe production support was provided by verity buckley the producer was buddy peace <laughs>